I know. Thank you. Is it? Uh, maybe it's not for me. I'm taking it. There's <laughs> nobody's name on it, so I'm thinking it's mine. It's beautiful. Um, <clears throat> Jackie, you're amazing. <clears throat> you know, sometimes as women, we just need to, like, when, when I'm like, oh, that was amazing, or you were amazing, or I like your whatever, we need to just go, thank you. Yeah. Right? We have a hard time with that, don't we? We're like, oh, no, it's, it's the Lord. Well, we know it was the Lord, but you can just say thank you, <laughs> I think. Okay. Um, I have little coffee things to give away. So I, I, I'm, I think I was supposed to give like two a session or something, but we go home tomorrow. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. So I feel like I need to give them all away tonight so that tomorrow you can get caffeinated and really deep clean when you get home. <laughs> so, because it's going to need it. Okay. So um, I wanted to give one coffee certificate to... Um, my sister, um, where is she? Mother, mother. <laughs> Don't, oh, oh of course God, she gets up. No, oh, oh, God wow. bless you. This woman went zip lining today. <laughs> so I, I legitimately would like to talk to you later because, <laughs> no, I'm to, I am not even kidding because I feel like I said to the ladies, I feel like a wuss because I was like, I'm not going ziplining, broke my leg. And here she comes with her walker. <laughs> yeah, I went ziplining. So anyway, you're my hero. No, Emmy, where are you? No, Emmy took a picture of me on my horse Lucy today and it, I'm so thankful, you don't even know. Like, I, I sent it to my Purdue daughter. I was like, look at, look at, look at mom. <laughs> Thank you. That was really thoughtful of you. And then um, Nicole and Marilyn. Um, I ran into Nicole and Marilyn uh, at the basketball court. And Nicole, you're getting uh, a, where are you? Because I feel like I'm looking, oh, wait, are you in different places? Okay, you separated? Did you have a fight? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, ooh, that was almost really awkward. Um, go have coffee and make up. So, Nicole, you're getting a coffee certificate because you were so funny because you said that, I think you were talking about her, that she asked about if she was strapped in. Like, are you sure, are you sure I'm strapped in? And she's like, I don't think it was a core belief that she was strapped in. And I was like... So, whenever you use a teaching point and combine it with humor coffee. So come on up. And then Marilyn, you get one because you made me laugh so hard because she goes, yeah, we thought that we saw a bald eagle and we're all like, oh my gosh, it's a bald eagle. And then I, Marilyn was like, it's not a bald eagle. It's a buzzard. And, this, <laughs> and she's like, and that doesn't bode well for us right now because why are they circling waiting for our impending death? Okay. Good job. So much fun. Thanks, you guys. Um, thank you. Two buzzards. I'm sorry, two buzzards. Sorry, I did details. Okay. Um, so anyway, super funny. So we are going to be, um, we're going to be in First John tonight, but we are going to, um, I'm going to read to you out of the NASB 
translation because that, there's a word in there that I want you to hear several times. So for those of you who that's very upsetting to read, to hear something read that's not in your Bible, Awesome Will is going to have this up on our screen for us. So, um, but if you want to you wanna turn there, um, please do. So one of the things I um, learned in seminary, um, first I learned that um, I had more questions leaving seminary than I did going into seminary, <laughs> so I learned that. Um, and then the other thing I learned in seminary is the importance of context, reading scripture in context, all right? So um, someone recently just said to me, oh, that, that Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, but no, I will never be able to do algebra, <laughs> ever, ever. <laughs> and the context of that passage is Paul talking about contentment. He's talking about living it with nothing and with everything, being in want, being in need, having enough, not having enough. And he's saying, regardless of that, I have this contentment that the Lord has given me, and so I can do, I can do all things. I can be content through Christ who gives me strength. And so it's important that we um, look at what, what text, what the sandwich is around it, you know, what's, what's, what's ahead of it and what's behind it, so that we can actually get to the depth and to the meat of what that passage is about. And so one of the things that um, we find in 1 John is that John is talking in this passage to Christians who were being influenced by this heresy called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism, Gnostics believed that things that were matter, so body, flesh, that was evil, and that anything spirit was good. And so these Gnostics were infiltrating the Christian church at the time, these baby Christians, and they were influencing in, in them in this way. And because of their material things, matter being bad, physical being bad, they believed that faith and deeds were insignificant in the life of the believer. Totally insignificant. Um, they also thought that it was through a special knowledge and like a secret revelation that people came to be Christians. And if you didn't have that special revelation, you kind of were less than you were kind of like not as good as. And so they looked down on people who they thought didn't have this special knowledge and this special revelation. And so when you read 1 John, it's really important. One of the girls that I'm mentoring who is a um, recent college graduate, she's read her Bible most of her life, but she was actually in 1 John and she's like, I don't, I don't like, I, there's all this stuff about do's and don'ts and it feels very much like going down the wrong side of the triangle. And then I was like, oh, but context, sweet friend. And so then I explained to her, the reason that John is talking about this is because of these Gnostics and this infiltration. So it changes everything a little bit, doesn't it? Because John's not saying what, he's not changing his mind since he wrote his gospel in, in, in John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that whosoever believed. He's not like, oh yeah, and also now I'm adding all these other things. <laughs> so it's important to know context. So... Although faith and deeds are significant, right? Obey and do. It's part of being a believer. Um, remember, it's secondary. It's out of an overflowing. It's not striving 
to be better, to do better, to look better, to drive nicer, whatever. It's not striving to do those things. It's out of submitting and surrendering to who God says we are. And so as we go through this passage, it's important that we remember that. So before we um, read 1 John, we're going to be 1 John 4, 7 through 19 is our text. Um, We're going to do what? Pray. Good job. The lights are very dark right now. um, And that makes me very nervous because you all just ate a very big meal. (laughs) And you've had a very long day. And so I am going to be watching. (laughs) Your eyes are closed. Thank you. Will, you're a rock star. That is amazing. I, um, uh, my kids went to uh, Lutheran High School, and so they would once in a while let me come and do chapel. And we have, we've hosted several uh, Chinese exchange students in our home that they lived with us for like the entire school year. And our first um, foreign exchange student, who Cedric, they give them U.S. names when they come over. <laughs> Such an interest, Cedric. That's what you picked. Yes. Okay. Um, so Cedric um, found out that I was going to be teaching chapel, and he made the mistake of telling me that all the Chinese students sleep during chapel. And I was like, not on my watch. They're not gonna. And so I showed up at chapel, and much to Cedric's horror, I said, um, where are all the Chinese students? And they're all just like, eh. And many of them had been to my home. Like, they knew me, and they were like, oh, what is she doing? And I said, rumor on the street is, y'all sleep during chapel. And so I brought a squirt gun. <laughs> and if I catch you sleeping, I will spray you. So just, you've been warned, I used to own a cat, I know how this goes. (laughs) Just behave yourselves and nothing bad will happen to you. So anyway, don't make me spray any of you. All right. All right, let's, uh, I don't know how I got to that, but let's pray. (laughs) Oh, Father God, you, I love that you made laughter. Um, it, It really is such a gift. There's something that just disarms us. Uh, and, and helps us to take, I think it takes walls down. So thank you for laughter. Um, we, we thank you for this passage that we're about to unpack, Lord. Um, and, and we thank you that your word reminds us that the same spirit that raised you from the dead lives inside of us, God. That is, that is amazing. We can't wrap our heads around that, God. But I believe it to be true because your word says that it's true. And so I just pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we would be able to hear something new, see something in a different way, receive your love in a new way in this next bit of time that we're together. God, that you would remove the scales from our eyes, Lord. You you came and gave your life to allow us to have freedom. And some of us are living in such bondage, Lord. And I know that as the song said, you want to break chains. And so I pray that you would break chains tonight, God, that you would break strongholds, that you would tear down walls that we've built up over the years, walls of hurt and pain and um, just protecting ourselves. Lord, because you want to infiltrate that with your love and with your light. And so help us in this passage. Spirit, help us to see. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, here we go. First John, we'll see how my... See how my non-readers go here. First John um, 4, 7 through 19. Beloved, let's love one another, for God is from love. 
Sorry, there we go. For love is from God. There we go. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love God does not know God because God is love. By this, the love of God was revealed in us, that God has sent his only son into the world so that we may live through him. In this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we remain in him and he in us, because he has given to us of his spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God God remains in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God. And God remains in him. By this, love is perfected with us. So that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, we also are in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. The word of God. How do we, how um, are we, how can we step into feeling loved? Experience love. Remember, not know about the seaweed that I've gotten lots of questions about, but taste it. How how do we do that? Because I have so many women say to me, I know God loves me, but I I don't know if God loves me. I don't necessarily feel that God loves me. And even if we do know God loves us, he has more for us. He He always has more for us. So how do we step into that? First of all, three points. And if you have a pen, I'm gonna have you change the third point from what I have in there. So the first one we're going to talk about is we have to know what it is. We have to know what God's love is. Secondly, we have to know what God's love does. And then the third one, cross that out, and we're going to put remain in it. The third way we're going to experience it more deeply is to remain in it. So I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, First of all, we have to know what it is. What is God's perfect love? Well, if we look in this text, it talks about that God initiates it, right? Love comes from God, it says in verse 7. In verse 16b, God is love. Um, It says that it's manifested in us, love is manifested in us, how? By God sending Jesus into the world for us to live through him. It also says in verse 10 that it's not about us loving God, but again, God initiating his love to us. And then in 10b, it says that out of God's love, he sent Jesus as the propitiation for our sins. Remember, we talked about this with the triangle, right? We can't, if we could just obey and do and get better, <laughs> that would be awesome, but we can't. We, we have a fallen condition, don't we? And God in his holiness, the only way he can't tolerate sin, he can't overlook sin, he can't just be like, eh, it's not that bad. He can't do that. It's impossible for a holy God to do that. And so he sent Jesus as 
a propitiation as, again, that's how the gavel gets banged that declares us holy and chosen and righteous and all these things. That's what God's love is. And again, the unfortunate thing is this is an abstract to Corey. Like, well, of course we know what God's love is. Laura, some of us drove the van here and brought all of our friends. <laughs> we know God's love. We're trying to share it with them. And we do, but help me overcome my unbelief. Last weekend, um, we were down in Starve Rock, for you Illinoisian people. Yes, we're in Starve Rock. It's lovely. Um, and actually, it wasn't lovely. I've been there twice. The first time, it was flooded, so half of the park was closed. And the other time, I, and then this last weekend when we were there, it, there, it was like a drought. And so every waterfall was bone dry. I was like, come on, Starve Rock. You're letting me down. Okay. But anyway, we were there, and we, so it was my, I have two brothers. Um, my older brother wasn't able to come, but my younger brother and his family were able to come, and then my parents came. So I called my sister-in-law, and I was like, should we just plan all the meals so that my parents, you know, we'll just do all the meals, my parents can just chill. Yeah, that sounds great. So I'm like, here's what I'm bringing from Costco. This dinner and this breakfast, and then Mrs. Costco's gonna make a lovely cinnamon bread for us on Sunday. <laughs> followed by some delicious turkey burgers that she will preform for us on Saturday night. And so my sister-in-law is one of those foodies. One of you was talking about being a chef. She's like you. She likes the kitchen. <laughs> People are like, oh, do you not like to bake or cook? I'm like, yes, I don't, yes. <laughs> I don't like to bake or cook. It's like, if it's in the kitchen, I don't like it. So anyway, so she... So we get there, and I bring in my couple things. I bring my suitcases, I bring in my little cooler of all my Mrs. Costco goodies, and I'm fine. And then my brother and his wife get there, and it was like, like a military siege. I mean, they were bringing loads and loads and, and Yetis and boxes and rice cookers, and I'm not even kidding, and a fried daddy thing, and another thing that was like an eight-in-one. Auntie, it's an eight-in-one. I'm like, that is amazing. <laughs> um, and, and again, I know that Psalm 103 says that God's love for me is as high as the heavens are above the earth. I know that Ephesians talked about, talks about that I'm equipped. I know that Romans 12 says that we all have gifts. But in that moment while I was watching my sister-in-law, what was going on under the waterline of my awareness was I was thinking, gosh, I wonder if my husband is wishing that his wife cooked like that. Or that his wife even cooked, for that matter. <laughs> and like a third of that. Um... And, and there was this kind of jealousy thing I noticed going on. You know, and it, and it is weird how it's just these normal mundane, that's why I talk about evaluating everyday emotions. It's not like these big colossal things that happen that make me go, oh my gosh, I'm still totally worried about what people think of me. Or I'm still totally insecure. It's these little mundane things, like going on vacation with my family. Um... So, so how do we do this? Like we know that we know we're loved. We know we don't have to perform. We know we don't have to do all these things. But how do we actually start to step into that in a way that it starts to, to hold us up in our actual life? And it starts to mean something in our actual life. And I think one of the things that has really helped me is to read the Bible better. Read the Bible better. 
Um, if you would look in my Bible prior to about probably five years ago, most of the things that were highlighted in there are, were things that I should do. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. All of the do's and don'ts. Laura, do this. Laura, don't do that. I love. How many of you love the book of James? It's just so cut and dry. Do this. Don't do that. Do this. Don't do that. And what I was doing for 20 years basically was reading the Bible like it was a behavior modification manual. Right? And how we know this is we look at what we're, what's highlighted. And I, what I have learned is to read the Bible better, is to read the Bible to know and believe the love that God has for us. To look in Scripture to know about God, to know about the depth of his love, to see the intimacy that he has for, for mankind. And, and it's crazy how it changes everything. To read the creation narrative, just thinking about how much he loves me, it's crazy to read the exile and exodus, even in the Old Testament, and to think about these things happen because God loves his people. And to start reading the Bible better is to read to know God and to know his love for us made manifest through Jesus. So read the Bible better. Don't read it about, like Matt Chandler always says, the Bible is um, not about you, but it's for you. It's a beautiful thing. So read the Bible better. How else can we know, experience, feel um, loved more deeply? How else do we step into that? Besides um, knowing what it is, I think this text talks about knowing what it does. Knowing what it does. Um, order matters. So when you hear, um, I'm going to read verse 7 to you, and I want you once again to think about kind of what stands out to you. What, what do you kind of hear most of all? Verse 7. Beloved, Let's love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. What stands out to you? For me, for many, 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 many years, it was the love one another. It's what I should do, because I definitely love to be a human doing, not a human being. But one of the reasons I chose this particular text is because what should stand out, because order matters, what should stand out first is be loved. You are his beloved. We are his beloved. Until we get how deeply and how richly and how personally we are loved by him, to, to the extent we get that is to the extent we're going to be able to love one another. Like, I have a really hard time. Someone was talking about this with me. Like, if I say hi to someone and they don't say hi back to me, I'm like, really? Or like, it, again, my, I have such a love-hate relationship with Costco because, like, everything I cook is, cook is from there. But people at Costco are difficult for me. I struggle with them. Because I'm like, oh, excuse me. And they're, like, in my way. And they look up at me like you're in my way. I'm like, no, you're in my way, but I'm saying, I'm sorry to you and you're not moping. You know, just, Jesus, just such a holy person I am. Um, order matters because to the extent we can receive this 
That's the only way it can remember. Ephesians, we're going to talk about this in a second. Ephesians 3.16, right? It's got to be an overflowing. So his love isn't about what we do. Any love that we share, any good that we do needs to be a byproduct, right? And so order matters. First we have to be loved. And then what love does, right? will flow more organically. So once we continue to submit and surrender to being loved, to, to knowing our identity in Jesus because he loves us, what, is, what does his love do for us? Like, so what? What does it do? Well, I think there's three things that we can take away from, from this um, passage. First of all, John says in um, 1 John 4, 18 that it gives us peace. So what does God's love for, uh, do for us? It gives us peace. We're back to peace again, aren't we? First um, John four sixteen. <clears throat> we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in Him. This is as we as we know Him more, we experience this peace. Right? He talks about that, <clears throat> and again, when he says in. Um, when he says in verse 18, there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. I think we talked about this in the Q&A. But remember that this isn't like when we know perfect love, then we're not afraid of anything ever again. The end. It's not what it says. It's talking about fear of judgment. So when we know God's perfect love, and we know it and we know it because we get to know it more deeply all the time, that casts out this fear of judgment. One of the, one of the things I remember very distinctly with my um, panic attacks, especially when I was very little, but even into high school, um, was I was very afraid of dying. And I remember thinking that everybody dies in age order, so my dad would die first, my mom would die, my brother would die, and then I would die. And then fortunately for me, my little brother was an oops baby, and he was born seven years after me, so I was like, eh, too bad for you. But I, was, I, I remember rationalizing as a five-year-old that, oh my gosh, everybody's going to die, and I'm going to be by myself, and then I'm going to die. I remember being in high school and being terrified of a tornado hitting our house. And one of the things this talks about is knowing that Stepping into believing who Jesus is is stepping into eternal life. And I have an 83-year-old uncle right now who is not doing well, and he is afraid to die. Do you know how sad that is? Do you know what, a, again, fear is a robber. It robs us of being present. It robs us of um, freedom. It robs us of so many things. Those of you who struggle with anxiety know your kids can be talking to you, and if, when you're anxious, you're not listening. You're over here spinning about something. It steals from us. But what this passage says is that what God's love does for us is it allows us to come into a place of peace more and more and more and more. Um, Isaiah 53.9 says that the punishment that brought us peace was on Jesus. Like again, Jesus came to give us so much more than we live out of. 
And the punishment that was on him on the cross was meant to give us peace. Um, somebody asked me about my, um, do you still have panic attacks? Um, I don't. I, I have not had a panic attack for um, almost 20 years. But, and then people are like, how'd you do it? What's the silver bullet? <laughs> But there's not, I mean, there is. Philippians 4, 6, 7, and 8 are one of the silver bullets. And we talked about Philippians 4, 6, and 7 being my life first, but another thing that has helped me so much with anxiety is that passage that says whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. Because 95% of what we worry about isn't true. And so when I can remember that passage... And, and at the end, it says, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, excellent, or admirable, think about such things. It, that helps me, right? We, went, we need to remind the mind to reposition the emotions. So, um, so to know God's love um, gives us peace. And I used to think that that passage um, that says, um, there's no fear in love, but perfect fear. Uh, love drives out fear. Because I had fear so much, I assumed that this meant that I needed to love God perfectly better, and I wasn't doing it enough, and I wasn't doing it right, and I wasn't doing it well. That's not what this text says. It's saying his perfect love to you, and, and we, the more we can receive it, and the more we can surrender to it and submit to it, that starts to drive out fear. And again, fear is still my default, but I don't live in the bondage of it. Um, the second thing that this, that this does, that his perfect love does for us, besides giving us peace, is it gives us power. It gives us power. Um, Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power, through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have, there's that word again, power, together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and high and long and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness, of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power, that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. There, when we begin to know and continue to know God's love, one of the things we will ultimately realize through that is his power because we start to trust him more. And the, like, what does that look like though? You know, you're like, Laura, that sounds so lovely. But, like, what does that sound like? Um, I think it sounds like it looks like um, a lot of different things in a lot of different ways. Um, but Thursday, every Thursday morning, I go down to um, CareNet. It's a pregnancy center in the inner city of Milwaukee, and I teach a Bible study called Joyful Moms. It's a little, a little Bible study to women who are in crisis, in a crisis pregnancy situation. Um, and this week, Thursday, because I was here last weekend and then I had a couple other speaking engagements this week, I, I was there Thursday and I was just, I had nothing. <laughs> I was just physically tired. I was emotionally tired. I, I think I was kind of spiritually tired. I was just tired. And um, 
I just, I felt like I kind of had gotten hit by a truck. And I, I just said, Lord, your word says that your strength is made perfect in my weakness. So I, like, I just need that. And I wasn't feeling it, but I have, God in his love has allowed me to come to the place where I trust his love more and more and more. And so in doing that, it helps me to trust that his word is true, whether I believe it or not, whether I feel it or not. And so I just prayed that. I was like, Lord, this is what your word says. And, and it was oh, the time I had with these women. It was so amazing and so rich. And at the end of 45 minutes, I totally forgot that I was tired. What, what am I doing, Will? I feel like I'm... What am I, is that, do I just need to do that more? Sorry, I feel like I'm really, um, yeah, that. Oh, for the love of all that is good. All right, ladies, here we go. We're going to try losing the jacket and see what happens. All right. So um, power is one of those supernatural things uh, that we need to pray for. It's just one of those things we need to pray for. We need to trust. And we need to, we're going to talk, I don't want to give away tomorrow, but more about that tomorrow. Okay. What else does, what else does um, his perfect love do for us? It gives us peace, it gives us power, and then it puts us in a position to love people. It puts us in a position to love people. 1 John 4.11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. How does it put us in a position to love people? Because once again, to the extent that we can submit and surrender to God's love for us is to the extent we will be able to give it to others. Look, if I, it's such a weird thing because I know I'm like a disaster oftentimes with my family, with my words, with my spiritual gift of sarcasm in my family that my husband hates, all these things, and I know that, and yet I can look at people who I don't like and be like, oh, look at you. And I don't love them. I judge them. I'm critical of them. I don't like the way they do fill in the blank, shop at Costco. (laughs) Right? And yet what I'm learning is that when I am able to submit and surrender to who God says I am, you know, when I, when I read, I said to someone um, during the break, you know, we have to start to step into the personal nature of who God says we are. So all those identity verses, to start to hear them with our name. Like my friend Lisa prayed over the gal after the Q&A. She said her name. God knows us by name. So he says, he doesn't, you know, it's like just to read, uh, you are my master, please, you know, or read Ephesians 2.10. For you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus, right? But to hear, Laura, I love you, and I created you exactly how I wanted you. Do you hear the difference between those two things? And we take God's word and we personalize it, and we hear our name, we hear him speaking to us like, like we would talk to one of our kids. I never heard God that way, and I didn't even really realize it. But when we start to be able to do that, something inside of us starts to be able to extend grace to other people and starts to put us in a position to love other people without trying so hard. It's crazy. Okay, the problem with this, again, is the abstract versus core. Martin Luther, nothing can take away um, sin except the grace of God. We know that. 
In actual living, however, it is not so easy to persuade oneself that by grace alone, in opposition to every other means, we obtain the forgiveness of our sins and peace with God. The problem is we're usually more worried about um, our successes, our failures, how well we loved than we are in just knowing and believing and remaining in God's love. I'm usually more worried about obeying, um, disciplining myself, improving myself than just experiencing God is love, right? And when our focus is on us, instead of just remaining, we miss his peace. We miss more of his power. We miss being in a position to love people because we make it about ourselves, right? So how do we do this? How do we experience what God's love does? How do we experience more peace, more power, um, and be more in a position to love? I think we need to ask the Spirit, and I think for for two reasons. First of all, we need to ask him for help receiving his love more. We need to just, we, again, the, the problem with this is we think that we do, but under the waterline of awareness, there's a lot of indicators that we don't. And so we need to ask the Spirit to help us be able to receive his love for us more. Like, help us. Again, we can't just, like, how do we, how do we submit and surrender? Well, you strive more to do it. No, we don't, we don't want to keep striving. The Lord is there for us. He wants us to ask him for this help. Um, and the other thing is we need to just ask him for help experiencing his power, his peace, and putting us in a position to love people. I, I'm praying for a woman. So many of my friends right now are losing spouses. I mean, it's just been, I've been to two funerals in the last month of, um, close friends whose husbands have passed away. And one uh, woman in particular, I've been praying for her, and I mean, I just can't imagine what she's going through. And, and I want to pray for her in a new and fresh way, but I was just kind of, Lord, please bless her, bless her. I remember Charles Stanley once saying, um, it might not be a bad idea to pray without using the word bless, because <laughs> we use it so much. And, and it just allows us to have this more intimate conversation with God when we maybe just like take that word out of our, out of our vernacular. Um, and so I just had to ask God, I'm like, Lord, I, how do I pray for her? Like, I don't even know how to pray for her. I haven't lost my spouse. I don't even know what this looks like. And God in his love gave me this picture of one of my own daughters. What if they lost their spouse? How would you pray for them? What a flip. Do you know how easy it became to pray for this woman? in like really personal, detailed, intimate way and to have a heart for her that was like so different even though I love her. Like it, it, it's crazy when we just ask God, but if we never ask him, we don't have some crazy stories. We need to ask the spirit for help with these things. Are you all still awake? Look at your neighbor, make sure her eyes are open. Okay. Ah, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, busted. <laughs> all right. How, lastly, oh, I'll say lastly or in closing. That usually wakes those sleepers up. Oh, thank goodness, she's done. Woo, in closing. Okay, in closing, <laughs> remain in him. So last week I had, um, you know, by knowing the Father. And I, and I do obviously think we need, we need to know the Father and know him as Father. But a woman came up to me after um, the session and she was talking about her b- very bad relationship with her father. 
and then it's really hard for her to be able to make that connection. Um, and so I thought a better way to do this is how do we get to know him as father? And what this text says is to remain in him. Verses um, 16 and 17a, it says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God remains in him and he in God. How does God remain in us according to this? Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God. Well, that sounds too easy. Let's go to 17. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. By this, love is perfected with us. You know, it's sometimes we just overcomplicate it, don't we? <laughs> and sometimes it's not so, so difficult to remain in him. I had uh, two women that I just took through discipleship. Um, one is in her um, mid-50s, has been a Christian her entire life. She's a, an executive pastor at a large church in the metropolitan area. And after taking her through some of this stuff, she said, I, I, I've been going down the wrong side of the triangle my entire Christian life. She goes, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. Like, that, that like, you know, it dismantled her faith. <laughs> she was like, wait, what? In a good way, but didn't feel good. She's like, I don't even, this is, I don't even know what I believe. I'm so confused right now. But I know that I've been going down the wrong side of the triangle because I should and shame and stress myself constantly, she said. Um, and then I have another woman who is in my um, group who's a pastor's wife. And um, she said, you know, I have some of my friends, she called them her Baptist friends, my Baptist friends. She's like, they just like, they, if they sin, they ask for forgiveness, and they just receive it, and they move on. She goes, I can't do that. <laughs> well, why? I don't know. She's like, I can't. Were, were these two women remaining in the Lord? Well, yeah, if we think about doing Bible study, reading our Bible, praying, loving the Lord, I, I think they, they are. But when they examined their everyday emotions, what they saw was this disconnect. What they saw were these shoulds and shame and stress. And that's not condemnation to realize the two things that these ladies realized. That's God in his love going, I have freedom for you. You're a Christian. You've confessed in your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. But I have freedom for you that you're missing. Isn't God loving? Um, we need to remain more than we are trying. We need to just be with God instead of trying so hard. And we need to continue to do that. So how do we do that? One of the ways we can do that is to exercise enjoying him. Exercise enjoying him. Um, when I was in my discipleship class, I was just tired. I mean, I was just tired of so many, mostly of people pleasing, but I was tired of a lot of things. And one of the things that my, the woman who facilitated my class said was, um, she's like, you know what? I think your homework this week needs to just be to enjoy the Lord. And I'm like, meaning? <laughs> she's like, well, just spend time enjoying him. And I'm like, like praying? And she's like, well, you might pray, but you, not necessarily. And I just had this very confused look on my face. And so one of the women in my group was like, oh, like I just enjoy the Lord. Like sometimes I just go out and garden and I just spend time with him. And I'm like, I, I just kill everything that is green. So I can't, 
not, I'm not making that connection. Um, and then another woman was like, I just imagine like crawling up on my daddy's lap and just sitting with him. And I'm like, are you tying his tie? Like, what are you, what are you doing there? <laughs> and they're like, you're complicated. Just go try to spend 10 minutes enjoying the Lord. Good luck. <laughs> and so I went that week and I tried to figure out what they meant. And it was the weirdest thing I've ever done, you guys. I was just like driving in my car and I was like, hey, Jesus, <laughs> what's up? Like, I just... I didn't know. I didn't know what I was doing. So this went on for quite some time until I eventually came to the place where I learned to enjoy God. And I think it looks different for everybody. But for me, what I finally, um, the way I learned I connect with the Lord is to be in nature. It's to be at Silver Birch Ranch and to be walking around and to look up at the trees and look at the sky and to hear the wind and to pet the donkeys. (laughs) And for me, because I, I don't live here, um, I just, I go for a walk and I plug my earbuds in, I listen to worship music and I just enjoy the Lord. And it went from something I had no imagination for to something where my soul feels kind of empty if I don't do it after a while. Remember, this is like, I gave this analogy during the Q&A. You know, it's like, okay, I have this really good book on how to be a good wife, so I'm going to read this book on how to be a good wife. And then my husband comes over and he's like, hey, the Packers are going to whoop the Bears tonight. Oh, I just went there. You know, really, it's really, (laughs) no Packer fan has any right to be talking anything amazing about the Packers this week, so after their performance last week, but anyway, my husband's going, um, will you just come and watch a game with me? And I'm like, oh, I want to, but I got to read this book on how to be a better wife, so I'm just going to be, and then he comes back a little later, and he's like, hey, do you want to go for a walk? And I'm like, hmm, still got to read the book. Some of us are doing this. Some of us are doing this. It is a good thing to read God's word. It is a good thing to be in Bible study. It is a good thing to be in church community. It is a good thing to pray. It's a good thing to listen to podcasts and worship music. But God's just over there going, will you just spend some time with me? I just love you. You just watch a football game with me. (laughs) And some of us have no imagination for what that looks like. So pray and ask God. Lord, I don't know what it looks like to enjoy you. Will you show me what that looks like? I have given women in my discipleship classes or, or, um, you know, my discipleship groups over the years homework to just sit outside on their back patio for five minutes once a day. Some of them cannot do it because they can't sit. They can't be still. And yet they know that the Lord's not asking them that, you know, it's not about works. It's not about, and yet they can't just sit and be with him. And so for some of you, this is going to be really hard, but pray about it. God will meet you in that. It might take you months like it did me. I'm going to close with a little book. Um, This is a book that's at my table, and some of you know it. Some of you probably picked it up and read it. But um, how are we loved deeper? Whether or not, you know, if you drove the church van here and you came out of the womb (laughs) loving Jesus, that was you. Or if you were dragged here by that weird Jesus friend and you're not totally sure what you believe about all of this, um, or if you're somewhere in between all of that. I think the, the message of, of, of 1 John 14 and 15 that just says, you know, that we've seen and have testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. 
and to confess that Jesus is the Son of God, sometimes, again, I think we um, make it kind of complicated. And I love this 13-page board book called You Are Special. You're not going to be able to see the pictures, but I'm going to hold it up because I'm a teacher. That's what we do. Um, but listen to the sweet little words of this, of this story. The Wimmicks were a small wooden people carved by a woodcarver named Eli. Each Wimmick was different. Some had big noses, others had large eyes, some were tall and some were short. <clears throat> Each Wimmick had a box of golden star stickers and gray dot stickers. The wooden people went around the village sticking stars or dots on one another. The pretty ones got stars. Wimmicks with rough wood or chipped paint got dots. The talented ones got stars too. Some could jump over tall boxes or sing pretty songs. Others, though, could do little. They got dots. Punchinello was one of these. He tried to jump high like the others, but he always fell. So the, wood, the Wimmicks would give him dots. When he tried to explain why he fell, he would say something silly, so the Wimmicks would give him more dots. He deserves lots of dots, the wooden people would say, and after a while, Punchinello believed them. I guess I'm not a very good Wimmick, he decided, so he stayed inside most of the time. When he did go outside, he hung around other Wimmicks who had lots of dots. He felt better around them. One day, he met a different kind of Wimmick named Lucia. Lucia had no stars or dots. The Wimmicks admired Lucia for having no dots, so they would give her a star, but it would fall off. Others gave her a dot for having no stars, but it wouldn't stay either. That's the way I want it to be, thought Punchinello. So he asked Lucia how she did it. It's easy, she replied. Every day, I go visit Eli the woodcarver. Why? You'll find out when you go see him. Then Lucia turned and skipped away. But will he want to see me? Punchinello wondered. Later at home, he sat and watched the wooden people giving each other stars and dots. It's not right, he muttered to himself, and he decided to go see Eli. Punchinello walked up the narrow path and stepped into Eli's shop. His eyes grew big. The stool was as tall as he was. He had to stretch on tiptoe to see the top of the workbench. Punchinello swallowed hard. I'm not staying here. And then he heard his name. Punchinello? The voice was deep and strong. How good to see you. Come, let me have a look at you. Punchinello looked up. You know my name? Of course, I made you. Eli picked him up and set him on the bench. It looks like you've been given some bad marks, said the maker. I didn't, I didn't mean to, Eli. I tried really hard. Punchinello, I don't care what the other Wimmicks think. You don't? No, you shouldn't either. What they think doesn't matter. All that matters is what I think, and I think you're pretty special. Punchinello laughed. Me special? Why? I'm not very talented, and my paint is peeling. Why do I matter to you? Eli spoke very slowly, because you're mine. That's why you matter to me. I've, every day I've been hoping you'd come, Eli explained. Well, I came because I met Lucia, said Punchinello. Why don't the stickers stay on her? The maker spoke softly, because she has decided that what I think 
is more important than what others think. The stickers only stick if you let them. What? The stickers only stick if they matter to you. The more you trust my love, the less you'll care about their stickers. I'm not sure I understand. Eli smiled, you will, but it will take time. From now on, come to see me every day and let me remind you how much I care. Eli lifted Punchinello off the bench and set him on the ground. Remember, Eli said, as Punchinello was leaving, you're special because I made you, and I don't make mistakes. Punchinello didn't stop, but in his heart he thought, I think he really means it. And when he did, a dot fell to the ground. I know. <laughs> I usually can't read it without crying, but I've read it so many times in the last um, two weeks that... Um, there's so many things I love about this. I love that Punchinello, I love, first of all, I love that he doesn't understand everything. He goes, I'm not sure I even understand. And God in his goodness goes, it's okay. But you will, but it will take time. So Punchinello clearly was not an American because <laughs> he wasn't like, but I wanted five minutes ago. Well, maybe he did think that, but, right? And I love, so I love that Punchinello didn't understand fully I don't think we need to understand God's love fully. I don't think we need to understand how all of this works fully. Like, how does, it, how does it work that we submit and surrender to his love? When my mother went to Japan to tell her siblings about Jesus when she first became a Christian, her siblings said to her, Mitsuko, we are so happy for you. But that sounds like a fairy tale. It sounds too easy, doesn't it? I believe in Jesus. I confess with my mouth that God raised him from the dead and make him Lord of our life, and then we just go to heaven and all our sins are forgiven? Sounds too easy. We don't need to totally understand that. All we need to do is go remain, right? Go be with him and let him tell us how much he cares. So if you have not ever had the um, desire, the opportunity, the whatever, to do what we've read about today, to testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. We're going to do that right now. And for those of you who have maybe, you've been rescued, you remember your rescue from long ago, um, we're just going to pray and, and just thank God that it's this simple. That it's just so simple to just go and remind, let him remind us how much he cares. So let's pray together. Um, Father God, we just thank you for, um, I, I just thank you for the simplicity of who you are and, and what you've done. Like it does sound like a fairy tale. It just seems too easy, Jesus. And yet your word reminds us over and over and over again that all, really all we have to do is believe. We just believe who you are. It's the thief on the cross. The thief on the cross didn't have to go down and make reparations for his sins. He didn't have to take a class. He didn't have to do anything. All he did was he went, don't you believe that this man is who he says he is? And Jesus said, I'll see you in heaven. And so, Lord, I just pray for any woman in this room who has not ever confessed with her mouth and believed in her heart, and we're talking mustard seed of belief, 
that you are Lord and that you've been raised from the dead so that we don't have to be afraid of death. We don't have to be afraid of judgment. We, we can live with purpose knowing that this light, this isn't it. This isn't the end. I pray for any woman in this room, Lord, who hasn't prayed that and who wants to, God. We just pray, Lord, and thank you that you came and that you died because we can't fix ourselves. And we just, we love you and we want to follow you and we know that that's going to look messy. But we trust your finished work on the cross, God. And when we don't, help us, Lord, to, to trust your finished work on the cross. And we just thank you for your, again, just that word generosity. You're just so, you lavish your love upon us, Lord. And I pray that every woman in this room would just be reminded, even if it's just through this simple book, that she's special because you made her. Help us to just step into that tonight, Lord, and to trust it more deeply and know that your love changes everything. It really does. So we just love you. We thank you for this time. I thank you for every woman in this room, Lord. Um, and we just, we give this all to you. In Jesus' name, amen.